You may be seated. Thank you. Um, so pre- as previously mentioned, Pastor Nathan is on a mission trip this week. Um, so we are blessed to have Brother Lewis McClendon with us this morning, and he'll be preaching. Um, Lewis McClendon has been in ministry since 1970. He has been a youth pastor, a camp director, and a pastor, and today he enjoys coaching and training missionaries. While he was pastoring Ventura Baptist, Baptist Church in Ventura, California, he saw the need to help missionaries improve their presentations in churches. In 2009, he be- began Missionary Communication Workshop, a long, week-long workshop that provides the tools for missionaries to give clear and memorable presentations. To date, over 275 missionaries have attended the workshop. He also saw the need to help missionaries in the area of finances. He attended Ramsey Solutions Master Financial Coach Training to give him the tools to train missionaries how to get out of debt and stay out of debt so that they could use as much of the money that God entrusts to them as possible to reach the people God has called them to to reach. He is now living in the Canton, Ohio area so he can be in charge of the missionary arm of the Baptist Church Ministry Network. Please give Brother Lewis a warm welcome. Well, we're glad to be here today. And uh, I want to introduce my wife, Karen. I always fail to do that. Karen, would you stand and be totally embarrassed? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I've known about your church a long time. I was here at a missions conference one time a few years back. But I really enjoy the relationship with your pastor and his brother and missionary. And uh, we've had a good time together. Learning to live in Ohio. I lived almost my entire life in California in a town called Ventura, which is between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara on the coast. It was pretty much 70 degrees year-round, no humidity, no bugs. A really hot summer day would be 83. A really cold, cold winter night would dip way down into the 50s. So we're still learning to adjust to actual fall, winter, those kind of things. But uh, tell you what, there's a huge difference spiritually between California and Ohio. So pray for California. They're a mess. (laughs) Open your Bibles, please, at Genesis chapter 37. We'll be covering some things in Genesis 37 through 39, and we'll get there in a little bit. Today I want to talk about what, why does God allow so many problems in our life? <coughs> a lot of times we think once we become a Christian, our life should be easy and problem-free and just uh, kind of enjoying heaven on earth. But this isn't heaven. This is earth. And God told us that would be filled with problems. Problems have been with us since the fall. Remember when Adam and Eve fell and part of the curse was life would get more difficult, that he had to work by the sweat of his brow, that thorns and thistles would grow. Life got tougher just because of that sin. Job, the earliest book written in the Bible, talks about troubles. Job 3, verse 25 through 26 says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come upon me. I was, neither in sa- I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. So here in the first book of the Bible, trouble comes. And not just trouble, but the worst trouble that he could think of came. Have you ever had that happen? The worst thing you could have thought of actually did happen. That's what happened to Job. <coughs> the book of Psalms talks about troubles. In Psalm 3, verse 1 through 2, the Bible says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. You notice in those verses, many 
Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say. So he had lots of people that opposed him. Paul had troubles too. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul said his troubles threatened to end his ministry permanently. There seemed to be no end of his problems. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. And then in chapter 7 and verse 5, he goes on, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. <coughs> Without we're fighting, within we're fears. Paul says he had trouble with everyone and everything. There are many times in our life when we feel that this way. <coughs> Everywhere we go, there's trouble. At work, there's trouble. At home, there's trouble. In our neighborhood, there's trouble. With our relatives, there's trouble. And there's even been times when there's been trouble at church. There seems there's no place you could go just to find some peace and rest. I remember my wife one time when our kids were little, and they were just kind of out of hand that day. And she finally got fed up with them, and she just said, okay. I want everybody to go to their room. I want you to stay in the room. I need some peace and quiet. So the kids went to a room, and I guess our son was about five or six. And about after about a minute and a half, he opened his door, and he said, Mom, are you done with your peace of quiet yet? <laughs> but just sometimes it just seems like you just got to have some peace and quiet because so many troubles are coming. Jesus warned us that we would have troubles. We would have problems. John 16, says, the things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm just getting over bronchitis. I apologize. What did I just do? I took you from the very beginning with Adam and Eve through the Old Testament. Problems, troubles, problems. <coughs> Came to the New Testament. Paul had problems, and then Jesus said, <clears throat> in this world ye shall have tribulation. With all of that knowledge we have, with all that information, we are still shocked when trouble comes our way. We're still shocked when things happen. We're not prepared for it. I want you to know, God never promised any of us a problem-free life. That's called heaven. But on this earth, God never promised us a trouble-free life. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, now Romans chapter 8 is written to the church of Rome, <coughs> to the people of the church in Rome. And as I read these verses, I want you to notice that he specifically lists the problems they're going through. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now here's the list. So tribulation, that means they were going through tribulation. Or distress, that means they were going through times of distress. Or persecution, they were being persecuted. And one of the ways they were persecuted was a Christian couldn't find a job. You weren't, you weren't employed in Rome if you were a Christian, so they had famine. They had no food. They had nakedness, which means they didn't have enough clothes to keep warm. Peril, that's they were in danger. Or sword, sword means death. They were being martyred for the cause of Christ. He says, these are the problems you're going through. Verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Then we get to verse number 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Do you see that word in? That's the key word in that verse, in. That means God is going to allow us to go through problems. He didn't say you're going through persecution and tribulation and famine and nakedness and peril and sword, but it's over. Everything's going to be great from now on. No, he says you're going to go through it. And as you go through it, you're going to become more and stronger and stronger, more of a conqueror (coughs) as you go through it. Same's true for us. I do this, you do this, and there's nothing wrong with it. Problem comes, and we say, Lord, fix it. Get me out of this. Get me over this problem. Get me around this problem. Get me somehow that I don't deal with the problem. He says, no, this is a problem you are going to go through. So God tells us that we are going to go through problems. And today, you may have come today overwhelmed with multiple problems. Some of you could be exhausted because of the constant emotional and physical stress you're enduring. You may not be sleeping well. There may no, be, be no place you can go to find that peace of quiet. Now, I wish I had all the answers to your problems and could just say, do this, and everything would go away. But nobody can do that. But we can find hope in one of the greatest stories of problems and triumph in the book of Genesis. It's an, the encouraging story of Joseph. Joseph did so well with his problems, and he can teach us so much. Now, let me just recap some of his problems. He had relationship problems. Do you remember his brothers wanted to kill him? They put him in a well to kill him, and then instead, they sold him as a slave. His his brothers hated him. He had relationship problems. He had circumstance problems. He was sold as a slave. I don't know about you, but I call that a bad circumstance. I call that a bad situation. 17 years old, from a wealthy family, favored son, to nothing, to being a slave. He had circumstance problems, and he had problems with Potiphar's wife where he he was falsely imprisoned. So he was sold as a slave, and later on he was falsely put in prison. I call those bad circumstances. He had disappointment problems. Do you remember when he was in jail? And two of Pharaoh's servants ended up in jail, and they had dreams, and they asked him to interpret those dreams, and one of the guys was going to be back, go back into the employ of, of Pharaoh, and, he, and Joseph said, hey, when you get back to Pharaoh, tell him about me. Tell him I've been falsely imprisoned. But we find in the Bible that he didn't say anything to Pharaoh for two years. And I always like to put myself in the story. How would I feel? And I just put myself in the story and think, I just interpreted a dream for this guy that said your life is going to get better he's going to go work for the guy that can get me out of prison I told him to tell Pharaoh about me and he said he would and I could just imagine every time that door opened and somebody came down the hallway he'd be saying okay is this is this the guy coming to release me Pharaoh sent this guy to take me out of jail nothing happened for two years so he had some disappointment problems for if we didn't know the rest of Joseph's life is all we know of his life is being sold as a slave by his brothers, falsely imprisoned, and he's in jail. If that's all we knew, from our perspective, Joseph had a miserable life that no one should ever have to endure. That's our perspective. God's perspective is that none of these things happened by accident, nothing was random, and God had not forsaken or forgotten Joseph. You know, sometimes we think that. 
When problems come, we just think, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Why did I go to the store and have that get on some slippery ice and hit that pole? You know, it's just, just random. It just makes no sense to us. But that's never true with God. From God's perspective for our life, in our life, nothing is by accident, nothing is random, and God hasn't forgotten or forsaken us as we go through problems. When we see the entire story of Joseph, we see that everything that happened to Joseph was part of God's plan to save the nation of Israel. Totally different perspectives. And one of the things I want to give you today is more of God's perspective when we go through problems so that we can face problems like Joseph faced problems. God's plan for Joseph was not known by Joseph as he was going through these problems. Now, we know that he had the dreams but he doesn't know when these dreams are going to be fulfilled. And, and at first, he's like us and can't link everything together. Later on, he does link it, and we'll read some verses on that. But we see that everything bad that happened to Joseph, everything bad that happened to Joseph was part of God's plan to save the nation of Israel. And the same thing is true of us, that as we go through problems, it's part of God's plan to use us for his glory. The good news is Joseph handled his problems correctly, and God was able to use him in a great way. And that's what I want for us. I want us to go through what God has decided we're going to go through in a way that honors him and puts us in a, in a position to be used in a great way in the lives of the people that we associate with. Joseph's story is a reminder to us that God has a reason and a purpose and a plan to use every problem we go through in life. Every problem we go through in life. God has a purpose and a reason and a plan. Joseph did get it by, by Genesis 50, because Genesis 50 and verse 20 says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is today to save much people alive. He got it. You were doing this to me, but really God had allowed this to happen because he had a reason for it. And see, if you're a Christian here this morning, there's been two stages of your life. Your life before being, becoming a Christian and your life after a Christian. When God was dealing with you before you became a Christian, everything God did in your life was to bring you to the cross. Everything you went through, every problem, every promotion, whatever it was, God was working in your life to, to bring you the facts and the conviction that you needed. God brought somebody, something, some song, some sermon of a church you attended, something that says, we've all sinned. And some pastor stood up and said, you have sinned. And some pastor or some person has told you, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God in a horrible place called hell. And so you had some facts. And with that fact came some conviction. And God used circumstances in your life to bring conviction in your life. And you said, I am a sinner. You're convicted of that sin. And you, you figure out from the word of God, there's nothing I can do, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no work I can do. There's no good thing I can do to get rid of the stain of the sin that's in my life. If I die, I will spend eternity in hell. But then somebody told you the good news, that Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid your penalty for your sin. And when you come to the place where you say, I am a sinner, I am on my way to hell. Jesus has paid the price for me. And all I have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and I will be saved. And you call upon the Lord and he forgives your sin and he moves into your life and a big change happens. 
because everything before that was to lead you to the place of salvation. But now that you're saved, and now that you're one of his children, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And part of completing God's plan is having problems and handling them correctly. And that's what I want to show you from the life of Joseph, is that when he handled his problems correctly, those problems became the launching pad for what God had for him to do. So this morning, I'm going to look at four reasons for Joseph's problems. Now, I'm going to be very careful to say there are not just four reasons for problems. There's as many reasons for problems as God has for the problems that he allows. There's no way we could cover every reason. But these are four of the reasons. In fact, these four reasons are not all the reasons Joseph faced what he faced. But the pastor said I had to be done by 3 o'clock this afternoon, and so I can only cover a few of them, okay? So I want to give you four of the reasons why God allowed problems in Joseph's life. So if we can pick up on the fact that Joseph, that, that God used problems to develop Joseph, then we can say, we, he's developing me. We can respond correctly to the problems God allows in our life by remembering the possible reasons for those problems. Joseph, I want to show you four in his life. First one, the reason number, first reason is, Problems promote spiritual maturity. Why did God allow problems in Joseph's life? Because problems promote spiritual maturity. Now we know from reading Genesis that Joseph was a favored child. Genesis 37 verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age and made him a coat of many colors. The favored child. That tells you everything you need to know. He's got the easiest of all the kids. He gets, a, he gets a beautiful coat that nobody else gets. There's so many things he has as a favorite child. We pick up a little bit more about one of the assignments that Joseph got to tell you that he had an easier life than his brothers. When his brothers took the sheep out to graze to remote places, Joseph stayed home. Genesis 37, verse 12 through 14. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send thee unto them. And he said to them, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he went out from the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Now, as you read this story, you can see that he has the easier life. Let me put this in perspective for you, what I just read to you. What do shepherds do? Shepherds find pasture for sheep. How do they do that? They take him from one place to another place to another place. It was time for them to be taken from a distance from their home to take him to feed him. Who went to take care of the sheep? The brothers went. What does Joseph do? Stays home. Now the Bible tells us in other verses about shepherds that they bore the heat of the day and the cold of the night. So when you're taking care of sheep, you're out there with the sheep. You're sleeping in the same field the sheep are in. You're, you're dealing with the same weather that they're dealing with. Where is Brother Joseph? He's at home in his own bed with his own pillow. He's fine. So they're out there working, and he's at home. And his dad says, okay, we better go check on your brothers. They're always getting in trouble. You better go find out how they're doing. Well, if you know the story, by the time this occurs, when he goes to find his brothers, they're sick and tired of him. And that's when they actually think about killing him and then sell him. 
he had the easy life. They, they wouldn't even talk to him. So he had this easy life. So it appears that God had to toughen Joseph up to get him ready to become a high Egyptian official. Now, why would I make a statement like that? I make a statement like that because of Psalm 105. Psalm 105, verse 17 through 19. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters and was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word that the Lord tried him. Now look at this verse, especially verse number 19. The verses before it says that God had him sold as a servant, his feet were hurt, and he had the, he had a, uh, his laid into iron. And then you see that word until, until, until the time that his word came. <coughs> the time the word came is talking about until his dreams were fulfilled. The dreams that he had that everybody would bow before him until he got this high position. So up till the minute that he got this high position, until that time, God was, what was the last word in the verse? Tried him. God was trying him. God had to get him ready to do what he wanted him to do, but he had to mature him to do that. He learned a lot from his job as overseer Potiphar's household. Started as the lowest of the low, worked his way up to a high position. Then he was put into prison. Same thing happened there. In prison, he learned to suffer when his feet were shackled with a chain and a metal collar was put around his neck in prison. I think that would teach anybody a lot. But during this time of being that slave, being that prisoner, he was sorely tested by God to mature him. He allowed him to go through that abuse to mature him. When he was brought before Pharaoh, he was sure to give the glory to God. He was prepared to be that leader. When Joseph came out of prison, he was a man of great wisdom and courage and determination. He led a nation that had mistreated him through a terrible famine without rebellion or a call for a new leader. He was prepared for the hardship of a famine and the leadership of that, but the hardship that he had in prison. God matures us by problems to come in our life too. One of the things that God does, one of the things when problems come is that God is maturing us to get us ready to do something to bring him glory. When problems come, we rarely think that God could be a part of this problem, that God has allowed this problem to try us or to prepare us to do something he has for us to do. Most of the time when problems come to our life, we have a why me, why this, why now attitude. It's totally random. It has nothing to do with my life, nothing was going on. In fact, it's going to hinder what I'm trying to do. And so we rarely think, God brought this into my life for a reason. We don't, we don't let that occur to us. We can look back, and we can see some things that we learned from previous problems. But even with that, when we go through a problem, we're not thinking, God, are you doing something here? Are you maturing me? Are you developing me? We don't normally do that. In fact, if we do pray, we say, God, why did you allow this to happen? Were you even awake? What were you thinking? I was on the path to do this for you, do that for you, and there this has been uh, just stopped. We're even mad at God at that time, rather than saying, God, what are you doing? But we need to let the fact that we can look back on our life and see things that we learned from a problem that we would not have learned any other way and say, okay, I learned things back then. God is going to use something now. 
God is looking for people prepared for hardship. And so he's going to put you through some hardship to prepare you for that. How do we know that? Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, gives us God's blueprint for our life. And not only so. You ready for this? We glory in tribulations. Now, when's the last time you did that? You wake up, you go out to your garage, and your water heater, the bottom came out of it, and the, your garage has been flooding all night long. And you say, whoa, God's going to teach me something for this. I'm so glad this happened. Chances are we didn't do that. How in the world can we glory in tribulations? Because of the next word, knowing. We can glory in tribulations because we know something. We know something very powerful that changes everything, even when problems come. Because we know that tribulation worketh patience. And then the verse goes on to say, In patience experience and experience hope, and hope that maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. God's working on me. God has something for me. God has an assignment for me. God had an assignment for Joseph to get Joseph ready. He had to mature him. He had to be sold as a slave. He had to be falsely accused and put in prison where his feet were beaten, where there was an iron collar around his neck. He had chains on his feet. But he had to have that to become second in command. And we can glory when problems come because <clears throat> you may not think we're at the time, but God's getting ready to do something big. God's getting ready to use you. But if we have a why me, why this, why now attitude, we're going to miss it because we're not going to handle the problem correctly. Reason number two, problems prove integrity. Problems prove integrity. Joseph proved he was a man of integrity when he resisted Potiphar's wife's temptation. Genesis 39, verse 7 through 8. <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. He said no to sin. In fact, we know from when you read the story, he refused day after day. But a day came when she caught him by himself, and he had, he had to get out. And we talked about that in the Sunday school time. He had to get out, so he fled. And his reward was he went to prison. Do you know that the reward for doing right is not always a benefit? You suffer a lot of times for doing the right thing. But he suffered by being in prison. But let me tell you, that was bad. But think what would have happened to Joseph if he had succumbed to her temptation. And instead of being put in prison for attempted rape, he's put in prison for having an affair with his wife. I think the punishment would have been a lot bigger. Plus, could God have used him to deliver Israel out of that famine? Proves our integrity. God will allow our integrity to be tested. God will allow us to see if we really are who we say that we are. A lot of times we watch other people and say, I'd never do that. But you don't know the emotion that was part of that. You don't know the circumstances that was part of that. 
But we say, I would never do that. But God tests us to see if we really are who we say we are. Our daughter, about five or six months ago, had an occasion where she had to call the police. You know, she'd watch some of those programs on TV, you know, where people are calling 911 and they're all panicked and they're saying, you need to calm down. I can't understand what you're saying. You need to calm down so you can tell me what's going on. She said, if I ever had to call police, I'd never do that. But she was in a situation where she had to call the police. And she called the police and she did everything that all those people did that she said she would never do. Because now the emotion's involved, the danger's involved, all that's involved now. And God will attest us to prove our integrity. He did it with Hezekiah. Second Chronicles 32, 31 says, How be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Sometimes God brings problems in your life so that you can really find out if you are who you say you are. And sometimes you find out you're not who you say you are. And then you go back and you say, Lord, help me. You know, strengthen me in this area. Help me to see that I, I, I'm not who I thought I was. Reason number three. Problems provide a state of dependence. Problems provide a state of dependence. Joseph, one, one of the things that Joseph did so well was he handled the problems correctly, including staying in a dependent state upon God. Genesis 39, verse 2, is right after he was sold by his brothers into slavery and was purchased by Potiphar. And Genesis 39, 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. Then we get down to Genesis 39, 23. Now, Genesis 39, 23, he has been in Potiphar's house for who knows how long. He's gone from the lowest slave to the highest slave. He's accused by Potiphar's wife. He loses all of that, and he's put in prison again. So 39.23 says, And the keeper of the prison looked not to any things that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. You see, he kept his dependence on God. And I think one of the things we want when we're going through problems is we want God's help. And if we want God's help with problem, we have to make sure we're in dependence on him. How do we make sure God is with us. Well, James 4, 8 says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Now, see, you can do one of two things when problems come. You can run to God, or you can run away from God. Joseph, the worse the problems got, the more he, he went to God. The Lord was with him. He was saying, I need you to go through this. Elijah wasn't that way. Remember, Elijah called down fire from heaven. How awesome is that? But the next day, Jezebel sent him a letter, and he ran. When problems come, do you run to God or away from God? Do your problems keep you in church or keep you out of church? Do your problems put you on your knees or keep you off your knees? Do your problems open your Bible or do your problems close your Bible? If you want God's help, we have to draw closer to God the harder the problems get. Joseph was so successful because no matter how bad it got, he still was in dependence on God. He didn't get mad at God. He didn't run from God. He didn't call God names. He just did what he had to do. He stayed in dependence on God. The fourth reason is 
Problems prepare our hearts for ministry. Problems prepare our hearts for ministry. Joseph's problems gave him opportunities for ministry. I like what it says in Genesis 39 and verse 3. Remember in Genesis, early part of 39, Joseph has just gotten to Potiphar's house. And here's what it says. And his masters saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. What a testimony. 17 years old. I mean, I think back when I was 17 years old. When I was 17 years old, I was a mess. I don't know if I'd been sold as a slave. I don't know what I would have done. And ended up in prison. I don't know what I would have done. He's 17 years old. And he is so close to God and in dependence on God that Potiphar sees it. What a phenomenal testimony. We need to stop and think sometimes in the middle of the biggest problem we've ever been in our life. Do people see that I have a relationship with God? That God is with me? Do you recognize that you always have an audience? When you go through problems, are you thinking about the way I handle this problem, how is it going to affect my family? What impact is this going to have on the people I work with? What are the, my fellow students at school going to think about how I handle this problem? Problems provide a phenomenal opportunity for ministry. If we're close to God, we've, we've done past those tests. He had a huge impact on him, and we always have an impact. A problem is an opportunity to show our confidence in God in the middle of the problem before any resolution is made. I mean, you're in it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to get better or worse. You don't know what's going to happen, but they see your confidence in God. We had a, a banquet at our church one time, and we brought in one of the Laker players to speak at the banquet. He was a good Christian man. And he talked about his witness with Shaq, with Colby as well. Colby was a mess. Shaq was a mess. But he witnessed to Shaq over and over and over. And while he was a Laker, and while he was witnessing to Shaq, his father got a very aggressive form of cancer and died pretty quickly after getting the diagnosis. So here is this man. His father has died. Word kind of spread quickly. Within hours of his father dying, Shaq called him. And here's what Shaq said to him. Shaq said, so tell me, what do you think about your God now that he killed your father? And he did very well. He said, I can tell you that I'm grieving like any person grieves, but I can also tell you I'm going to see my dad again when I go to heaven. Do you know that, Shaq? Even in our worst day, we can say, Lord, I'm going to stay close to you, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stay in dependence on you. And I want to be a good witness to those that are around me. Joseph interpreted the dreams of the two of Pharaoh's servants. What a ministry that turned out to be for him. Again, remember the scene. He is a prisoner. He has worked his way up, but he's still a prisoner. And he's out. We know that he wants out because he tells one of Pharaoh's servants, when you get out, help me get out. He wants out. 
but he's in jail. But two guys come to him who are in jail with him. They're suffering the very same thing. And they say, can you interpret this dream for me? And he does. He was looking for ministry opportunities. If Joseph had missed the opportunity to interpret the dreams of two of Pharaoh's servants, would he have gotten out of jail and done what he did? We just don't know what God is doing. We don't know how God is working. And here in the midst of a huge problem, he could have said, you want me to take the time to interpret your dreams? I've been here. I'm falsely in prison. All I can think about is I want out. But instead he said, yeah, I'll help you. Tell me your dream. I'll help you. And because of that, the man two years later goes to Pharaoh and he gets out. I want you to know that God is always giving us opportunities to help others. Even on our worst day. We miss ministry opportunities because we're focused on us. Why me? Why this? Why now? We're so focused on that that we do not see anybody around us. But every problem you have had is an opportunity to help others. I can't always say I've done everything right. Now, if my wife hadn't come with me, maybe I could get away with it. But she's here, so she'd make me tell the truth. I can't say I've always held, I've always done things right. I was a youth pastor in Riverside, California. And the pastor assigned me to be a help to me, a man that was a quadriplegic. He was in a wheelchair. He couldn't even talk. He had a board with an alphabet on it, and he would hover over a letter to spell out what he wanted to say. And he liked to talk a lot. And you were there, ah, come on, get with me, you know. But you're trying to do that. So, I mean, I didn't know why I was given this guy. But one Friday night, I had done a youth activity. And to do a youth activity means I worked on Friday to set it up. I went in the early evening and picked people up on the bus. I ran the activity. I drove everybody home in the bus. I came back to the church and cleaned the church because we had a bus breakfast the next morning, so everything had to be clean. I was dead tired when I got home. Went to bed right to sleep. Slept a couple hours and my phone rang. And it was this guy's wife. And she called me to tell me that their son had a headache. And I was, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I knew what to say. Give him two aspirin and call me in the morning, you know. But she didn't really like that answer. She said, now he has a bad headache. You've got to take us to the hospital. You've got to come over here. So I got up. I got in my car. I went and got him out of his house in his wheelchair, drove him to the car, lifted him up, put him into my car, put the wheelchair in the trunk, got him in the car, drove to the uh, hospital, got the wheelchair out, put him in the wheelchair, told his wife, you push him in there and go sit down and wait for your turn. So I went down and I just sat in the waiting room, just sat, and I sat there. I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but I just sat there like this. Why did he call me? Why was it me that he called? After that youth activity and I got a bus breakfast in the morning in just a couple hours, why did he have to call me? And I don't know how long I had the pity party. You ever had a pity party? I don't know how long the pity party lasted. But all of a sudden, I noticed the woman sitting next to me. I cannot tell you how long she was there because I was involved in my pity party. But all of a sudden, I noticed a woman sitting next to me crying her eyes out. And when I finally noticed her, I said, Ma'am, I'm Louis McClendon. I'm assistant pastor of Faith Baptist Church in Riverside. Is I can do to help? She said, My husband went to the bar tonight and drank and got drunk and got in a fight and he was stabbed 
and he's in emergency surgery right now, and they don't think he's going to live. You see, I was so wrapped up in me that I wasn't even thinking, God, do you have me here for a reason? Is there a reason that I'm sitting in this? Never even dawned on me. You see, God has ministry opportunities for us all the time. But if we're thinking, why me? Why this? Why now? We're missing those ministry opportunities. If you're listening to others around you, you will hear them talking about a problem that they had, that you had. And this opens the door for you for ministry. God talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3-4. through 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. And when you stop saying, why me, why this, why now? You get God's comfort. You get God's wisdom. You get God's direction. You get God's answers. And then you can say, I never say, I know what you're going through. But I can say, you know, I've been down a similar road. Let me tell you what helped me. Let me tell you what got me through it. And now you can talk about God and how much he loves them and, and he wants to help them. But we've got to be at the place where we say, even if I'm having some problems, God is using me in the problems. <coughs> the fact is, sometimes we have problems just because God wants us to be there to help somebody else that has the problem. Sometimes we think God's punishing us. Do you know that all your sins were paid for on the cross? Do you recognize that? Sometimes you have problems just because God is going to do something in you that he wants you to be able to help somebody else to get. God is at work even then. Problems are painful, but also profitable. Just four. Promote spiritual maturity. Provide, prove integrity. Provide a state of dependence. Prepare our hearts for ministry. It's unfortunate, but in our world today, most Christians want a crown when they get to heaven, but they don't want to carry their cross on earth. We want Easter, but not Good Friday. We want the gain, but not the pain. But that's not the way that it works. When problems come, think of Joseph and say, I'm going to handle my problems like Joseph handled his problems. He stayed true to God. He proved his integrity. He stayed, he just said, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? He was aware of people around him, what was going on. We rarely know why God allowed a problem in our life, but he always does. So trust him in that problem that he's at work doing something in you, either that you need or somebody's going to need later in life. God always has a reason, always has a purpose, always had a plan. If you believe that, you can handle problems like Joseph handled his problems. My question to you is, is that what you're doing right now? Are you Joseph or Elijah? Are you running from God when things get worse? Or are you running to him? Do you come to church more, not less? Do you read your Bible more? Do you pray more when problems come? I'd ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just so you can try to process what we've talked about today, so you can think through what we talked about today. How are you dealing with problems?
Would you say that you're a Joseph? Would you say that you're handling problems like Joseph? And if not, I really encourage you this morning to determine in your heart, I want to be a Joseph. I want to handle my problems like Joseph did. I want people to be amazed and see God in me, even in my problems. I want to be aware of other people while I'm going through the problem. I'm going to trust God in this problem that he's at work. And then you can be the Joseph in other people's lives. If you're here this morning and you're not for sure you're on your way to heaven, we talked about life before becoming a Christian, after you become a Christian. Maybe you're not there yet. You're still, you're still not a believer. You still haven't come to the place where you've acknowledged your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior. In a minute, we're going to give what we call an invitation where we invite you to leave your seat and walk down here to the front. And we'll take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven before you leave this building. And Christians, as we have this invitation in just a moment, maybe God's speaking to you and he's saying to you, you need to be more like Joseph and handle the problems like Joseph did because I've got something for you to do that's just as big as what Joseph did. I want to use you in people's lives just like I used Joseph in people's lives. And this morning, you just need to come and just say, Lord, I want to be a Joseph. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us so much about the life of Joseph. Thank you that he was the kind of guy that handled the problems correctly. And because of that, you used him in a great way. Convict us that we will not be the why me, why this, why now kind of people. But we'll be just saying, Lord, you're at work tribulation, work of patience. You're doing something in me, and you're doing something to help the people around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. If God is dealing with you, why don't you come as we sing?